Hello, and welcome back to the Golden God of Podcast, Legends of Philadelphia. <laughs> These are your hosts, Tony Wildcard Trove and Johnny Green Manzito. I'm Brian Thundergun Beerman, helping out on engineering duties. You might be wondering, aren't these guys city scum? <laughs> well, in addition to being born and raised in Philadelphia, Trove and Zito have a lifestyle brand, South Philly that focuses on Philly culture and in-jokes and comfort. And, and podcasts. <laughs> Lots of times, customers will ask, are stars made from burning trash? <laughs> or they want to know how much for the troll toll. <laughs> so we decided to start this podcast as an easy explainer for new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates and excites us, so we're hoping to share that with you. <laughs> it's a lot of Always Sunny references to pack in right from the get-go. Uh, uh, you had them locked and loaded. You knew yeah, I was, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> This is the greatest day of my life. I mean, this show's been on for almost 20 years. It's 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 half my life, right? <laughs> I can't believe it's still on. Our entire adult lives. Not yeah. that it, it would it would get canceled, just that just that they're still doing it. Like they're all successful. Well, when you see them in like the actors and other things, you're like, oh, Charlie's in this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, this this show is D D's in this show. Like yeah. Oh, Dennis has his own show. <laughs> Yeah. Mac Mac was on Lost for a couple Mac episodes. Remember Lost. that? Den Dennis was on Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Supposedly, they're actually sorry, actors. Sorry, somewhere, the actors but, from the show. But uh, I only really know them as their characters. They're just so real. They're just so real. So real. <laughs> it's just so real. Uh, so, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is an American sitcom that premiered on FX on August 4th, 2005. It was really almost 20 years ago. Uh, it was created by Rob McElhenney, who developed it with Glenn Howerton. Uh, it is executive produced and primarily written by McElhenney, Howerton, and Charlie Day, all of whom star alongside Caitlin Olsen and Danny DeVito. Uh, the series follows the exploits of The Gang, a group of narcissistic friends who run the Irish bar Patty's Pub in South Philadelphia. Many of their adventures involve ignoring their small business in favor of get-rich-quick schemes. And today, we want to take a look at some of the best Always Sunny side hustles. But first, a word from our sponsor. This program was made possible by contributions to your SouthFillini.com and listeners like you. With your t-shirt pledge, we can make programs like Legends of Philadelphia possible. What's new this week, Johnny? Please use your NPR voice. Well, we've got a sticker coming out on Wednesday. And a special t-shirt this week uh, on theme again for our Legends of Philadelphia episode. We're going to be doing uh, uh, an Always Sunny tee. So uh, check out the website for our Man Spider shirt. Uh, should be there today. Every... Remember, if you want to look good, you need to feel good. And if you need to feel good, you need to be good. And if you want to be good, then you have to rock and roll. That was nice. Ah, oh, the cougars came at the last second. They, they, they killed the birds in the background, damn it. Uh, I peaked. Wow. I'm sorry. Was... The, the, the the microphone peaked. I'm not sorry. <laughs> All of our p p peaking. Yeah. Welcome to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you really pronounce it. That's how people don't know no, that, we... but that's how you really pronounce it. <laughs> Beating Terry Gross at our own game. Yep. Yep. Mm. You know she listens. That was like a diss track. You know they listen. You know they listen. And uh, and and their their ads are so effective on NPR and WHYY that I was giving it a whirl, giving giving it a shot, trying to see. They always get a couple bucks out see of me. See if any sales. See if get any sales this Monday. I'm always about, I'm all about those PBS tote bags. Zito, buy a T-shirt. <laughs> Come on, Zito, buy Zito, buy. Um, this week's T-shirt is really good. Get a hat. Get a hat for that tiny head of yours. <laughs> <laughs> South Fellini, we, we make hats for big-headed people. Fit all types of hats. <laughs> hats and insults. 
Yours truly, by yours truly. <laughs> um, speaking of insults, do you guys you guys watch Always Sunny? You guys are fans of Always Sunny. Man. I think I heard of, <laughs> I, I think I heard about it in an article in like Philly Weekly or something back in when it was coming out. I read about it, it in like the review I, in two thousand oh, wow. in two thousand four. Wow. In two thousand four, there was an article like, about who 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 graduated from Gretty, <laughs> who graduated from Newman. I need to know who's got an obituary. Oh, an only an article in a local television series. Because it was such a you know there was no TV shows based in Philly, like still on. I was uh Fresh Prince of Bel Air had been off for <laughs> I want to say six years at this point. I think it ended in like ninety eight. No, uh, maybe ninety nine. No, H- Hack came and went. Hack didn't last. It's a shame. <laughs> but uh, when Always Sunny showed up, I remember there was some buzz. Uh, I remember reading an article in the review, and they did that. They used that clip art of the film reel, just like across the middle middle of the page. <laughs> it came with their. Uh, it came with Windows night. <laughs> 95 or whatever, yeah. Windows 97. They uh, start me up. Uh, they were hyping up the show. In, in I think it, I think it had just gotten a development deal. I don't think they had even shot any episodes yet. It was in the review. It wasn't even like in like the city paper. Like I swear to God, I was. I remember reading <laughs> it on the stoop at 10th Street, just fucking being like, oh, they're gonna do a sitcom in Philly. And we were getting out of film school around that time, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll be able to PA on that. Maybe, maybe I- be a PA on it. Maybe you can, <laughs> maybe you can get Charlie a coffee. Didn't even know who he was. But Didn't even know what it was. The yeah. article mentioned that Rob McElhenney went to St. Joe's Prep, which was my high school, and I was like, oh, I got an in. This de- dude's definitely going to hire me. You just me. graduated, so of course. It's yeah. Like- <laughs> I'm like, sign me up. Just, hey. Like Windows 97, start me up. Start me up. <laughs> The little, the, the, the little clip. The little, little uh, paper clip, yeah. little paper clip. Clippy, that's me, man. Bring <laughs> me on board, Rob. What's up? What's up? I got ideas. I went to say Joe's Jug. Uh, what about Jug? What about, what jug, about, what about Jug? Uh, justice <laughs> under God. That was detention. What about Mr. Petrozelli, huh? He, he was tough. Jug. Uh, you're killing me. <laughs> Catholic school memes. Uh, it's their loss. Uh, I, I move sandbags like a son of a bitch. I would have been <laughs> great on that show. <laughs> the grips move the sandbags. The PAs get the coffees. This is why I never made it. 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 That's why you weren't high. Why are these sandbags full of coffee beans? <laughs> I got confused. <laughs> this coffee tastes like sand. That's why you should hire a union. Honestly, it's a situation. Your union. Your union. <laughs> uh, Trove, you actually, you did work on the show, didn't you? Or no, you I didn't work on the show. No, no, you didn't. I'm sorry. I lent the art, uh, the the prop department folding chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Were the chairs in the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the folding chairs. <laughs> so you knew the chairs that were in the show? Yeah, the chair, that, the chairs that we sit on in the office are the chairs that uh. That, Whoa. That, that, that the McCoyal sat on. The McCoyal wow. brothers. <laughs> that's why they're so. Uh, so that's put why a, they're so put milky. a towel down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was on South Street when they were shooting the uh, the the um, the episode where they're cops or where they dress up like cops. Yeah. So with the uh, the attack cat. Yeah, junkyard cat. Yeah, junkyard yeah. cat, and, and and Charlie was dressed up like um, Serpico. Serpico, and I didn't, yeah, like, I didn't yeah, know the, and I was like a meadow. I was like, hey, cool beard, you know, uh, but I didn't know what the episode grew to be. But uh, um, everybody on South Street very excited to see Danny DeVito. No, of course, of course. Uh, I when I was I had a office job in Center City and they they shot outside of uh, our building once and uh, it was Glenn Howerton and Rob McElhenney and uh, they were real nice uh, they they signed autographs for people they hung out outside between takes it was uh, it was a real treat for everybody. <clears throat> they must be gods when they come here, golden gods. I know, right? They, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's got a uh, Rob McElhenney owns that bar, right? Still, I don't know if it's post. Pandemic. I don't know what bars are open or not, but yeah, they used to have the Max. Where do you eat? I don't know. (laughs) 
Where do you drink? What's open? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm still finishing my rations, you know? <laughs> I don't know where to go people eat anymore. Uh, so, uh, a little history on the show before we get into it. Charlie Day, Glenn Howard, and Rob McElhenney met each other while struggling to find acting gigs in Los Angeles. Uh, the show came out of a short film idea written by McElhenney and Howerton. Uh, it's, it was about when uh, a friend comes over to another friend's house to get a couple of sugar, but the, uh, the friend uh, tells his other friend, I have cancer, and all the guy who came for the sugar can think about is getting the sugar and getting out of there. So, uh, that's like... You know, like the germ of the always sunny idea. Just, just terrible people, basically. Yeah, people, people with needs, and their needs aren't being met. And uh, even though there's a discrepancy in the in the, the 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 amount of need, like one guy has cancer, one guy just needs a little cup of sugar, those problems are put on equal footing. And I think that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. Uh, this was then developed into a pilot called It's Always Sunny on TV, and it was shot on a digital camcorder and filmed in the actor's own apartments. They expanded the central cast to four people living in Los Angeles, a group of best friends who care very little about each other or what's going on in each other's lives. It's like a, uh, a, a shittier version of Seinfeld. These people are even worse. They're even worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. We didn't know we were going to do this episode, but the three of us were talking about how after Seinfeld you know the the three camera sitcom the the laugh track sitcom was over you there, i don't think there was anything else you could do uh, with that format after that and I so thought you, you were going to say after seinfeld was friends <laughs> 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 friends was a step backwards if you oh. ask me oh but i think that no, uh wings. wings well no i meant like on tv like programming oh programming wise must see tv programming must see tv oh uh, yeah of course like Caroline in the City. Caroline. <laughs> the original lead-in for Seinfeld. <laughs> but uh, with the end of the three-camera sitcom, you had to you had to be more clever, more interesting, and, and go kind of on tangents and things. I think, uh, you know, shows like this, it took a few years to get to something like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You had to go through a bunch of Malcolm in the Middles to get there. Uh, yeah. It was believed that the pilot was shot with a budget of just $200, but Charlie Day would later comment, quote, we shot it for nothing. I don't know where this $200 number comes from. We were a bunch of kids with cameras running around shooting each other, and the next thing you know, we're 11 years in and still doing the show, end quote. And that was like 15 years ago, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to – the episodes that we're going to talk about today, I went back and I tried to – I went to watch them yesterday, between yesterday and today – and I like I I had the hardest time finding them because there's so many seasons of the show. I was like, no, this was well, this was a more recent episode. Surely this was this was last season or the season before. And it's like, no, some of these episodes were like some of the things we're going to talk about today were like season three, season four. You know, the pilot was shot by the actors uh, around various studios. Their pitch being simply showing the DVD of the pilot to executives, anyone who would watch. Uh, after viewing the pilot, FX Network ordered the first season. FX was uh, just starting out back then. It was uh, Fox's yeah. cable network. Uh, the show was budgeted at $450,000 an episode, less than a third of a network standard, using Panasonic DVX100 Mini DV prosumer video cameras. <laughs> That's what we used in film school. Like That, that, that was what was available that, from don't the... You, buy, you can buy those at the mall. It's <laughs> <laughs> all you need. Yeah, it's literally a... Yeah. It's a dad cam. It's a family vacation cam. The original concept had the gang being out-of-work actors with the theme song being a cha-cha version of Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> However, there were too many shows at the time with a similar premise. Uh, I guess they, you know, there, was, there, there was that show Extras, and um, Joey from Friends had a show where he played himself. A lot, a lot, of, people, a lot of people who like move to Hollywood always like come up with a script where they do, where, like... And it's about out of work actors like us, like just like me, just like me. <laughs> There's like so it'll many be a show about me, me. <laughs> <laughs> if we moved to Hollywood, we would write a script like that. Like that's just how that's what you do. That's what you do. That's your first. That's your first pass. You do. That's what you do. Sometimes it works. Uh, sometimes it does. There's that show. There's a couple of shows uh, from around this era. I'm even thinking of specifically like Party Down was a show about valets in L.A. Most of them are out of work actors, and uh, mm. it's it's very funny premise. But um, uh, the network came uh, back to 
uh, Rob and the guys and said uh, they didn't want a show about actors. And uh, they said, fine, let's uh, put it somewhere else. And McElhenney explained, quote, I'm from Philly, let's put it in Philly, and we'll make it about a bar because that's a job you can have lots of free time at and still have income that could explain how these people can sustain themselves, end quote. So it was as simple as that. They said, Makes you sense. can't be yourself. And he said, well, I'll be the old version of myself. And he said it in Philadelphia. <laughs> the old me. <laughs> yeah, like you go out to L.A., you're trying to reinvent yourself and be a famous actor, and like all people want is authenticity. Like, you, look like a guy from Nor- you, look- <laughs> you look like a guy from Northeast Philly. <laughs> and he's like, I'll act. I'll play someone from <laughs> South Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, prior to Caitlin Olson joining the show, the character of Sweet D was originally played by Jordan Reed, who at the time was the girlfriend of McElhenney. But uh, she was recast after they broke up, which which I think is a very Mac move. <laughs> I just remembered my, my ex-girlfriend is a bad actress, and now we have a, my new girlfriend. Yeah, she sucks now. Is, is my, the new actress. She sucks all of a sudden. I just remembered <laughs> Like you imagine, he's probably trying to convince everybody that he, that she, she's not good. Well, I looked her up, and whether or not That's she's good, bummer. I'd never seen anything that she was in. And she kept acting, but she did keep acting. She stayed on TV in different roles and things up through like 2012. Don't know where her life took her after that. Gotcha, gotcha. After the first season, FX executives were worried about the show's low ratings and demanded that changes be made to the cast. FX began suggesting actors such as Danny DeVito that could boost the show's profile. Initially, McElhenney refused, saying, quote, no, I just don't think we want to do that. And they were like, okay, well, then you don't have a show. The show's over, end quote. <laughs> Why would you be like, no, thanks? <laughs> Why would you say no to Danny no, DeVito? DeVito. Oh no, I got this. <laughs> One of the greatest character actors in television history. Uh, yeah. we th- we, he wants to be on your show. Damn, mm. they forced they forced any of the veto on them. Mm, I don't know. Again, this is very this is very much the gang, you know. <laughs> like looking yeah. at a gift horse in the mouth. Right. Right. They're looking for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if they have to pay DeVito, that means it's coming out of their their end. Realizing that they needed to change the trajectory of the show to please the network, DeVito joined the cast in the first episode of the second season playing the father of Dennis and Dee, which uh, I think really brings the show to a whole other level. Something that's missing from the first season is someone for them to play off of. There's no one, there's no adult figure, you know, in the first season, so there's no one to reprimand them. There's no one to be disappointed in them. Mm. It's it's funny, it's it's just not, uh, it's missing an element. It also works... Like, outside the show, it's like, oh, it's got Danny DeVito on it? I'll, I'll watch it. You know what I mean? It, it, oh, it, right. Yeah, te- a movie star is on a television show. But also his character, Frank, of him being, like, rich, it's, like, a, a, a good hand-wavy thing of just, like, well, how could they afford this? It's like, well, he's rich, so. Yeah, it's like a Mr. Burns in your show. You, you can just do whatever yeah. he wants. Yeah, and then that that ex- opens the expands the ideas for the show. I kind of imagine he's the same character as Louis De Palma from Taxi. <laughs> he's just, he's, I, just, he's, he's just like here now, yeah. What a legend. And I kind of like, um, I like how he's introduced into the show. He has all of this money, like you said. He's going through a divorce. He's hitting rock bottom, and that's how he ends up with these characters. And he sees the way Charlie is living his life, and he's envious of how Charlie's able to exist at rock bottom and be so happy and free. And it's something that he has never really had because he spent his whole life being evil and making money. Mm-hmm. The series' 14th season concluded in November 2019. The series was renewed for a 15th season in May 2020, which, after it premiered, gave it more seasons than any other American live-action comedy series, replacing The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet, which ran for 14 seasons between 1952 <laughs> and 1966. The exact opposite of It's Always Sunny. <laughs> Uh, in December 2020, the series was renewed for a total of four additional seasons, bringing it to 18 seasons. The record-breaking 15th yeah. season premiered on December 1st, 2021, and that is the the most recent season. And they do half of it in Ireland. We assume because of COVID restrictions. We don't. I don't know for sure. So, uh, our first scheme that we're going to talk about tonight 
is the Wrestling Domination Federation from the episode The Gang Wrestles for the Troops. Uh, there's nothing more American than wrestling, and that's why the gang has decided to put on a wrestling show for the returning troops, including the soldier D has been chatting with online. Uh, and uh, as the gang watches Hulk Hogan face off against Nikolai Volkov on D's laptop, Charlie amps up the gang and convinces them to throw a wrestling match to show support for the troops. Frank wants to join the eponymous as the eponymous trash man, but the guys don't approve. Dennis, Mack, and Charlie attend a local amateur wrestling show and hire the star of the show, Demaniac, played by Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, and the boys decide to be his opponent as the characters, the Birds of War. I love this. Uh, I love this setup. This is uh, unsurprisingly, this is my favorite episode. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> I, 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 I want to not to rank them all these these schemes, but I feel like this is just a very realistic business venture you could have as a South Philadelphian. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of people who've done this. <laughs> I also like that their wrestling is like 80s patriotic, uh, go pro America. Everyone else is evil wrestling. Oh, their their characters, yeah. Like the, what they they're think they're doing a lot of is, bird they things. Grew up watching that. The, the episode uh, reuses the uh, real American uh, th- theme that uh, used to be Hulk Hogan's uh, entrance music back in the day. So uh, I'm sure it's like playing off of the nostalgia of. Of of the characters and the actors who are drawing on that you know childhood you know, experience. You know how many dudes joined the military because of that Hulk Hogan song? You know, many people? So the night of the wrestling match, Demaniac is arrested for unpaid parking tickets. The boys decide to wrestle Rickety Cricket instead. Uh, during the match, D gets hit with a chair by Cricket, who is dressed as a terrorist. Uh, his name in the episode is the Taliban, like the Taliban, but the Taliban. <laughs> Very topical in 2008. Uh, Dennis and Charlie try to wrestle Cricket, but he, uh, uh, but he just throws sand in their faces. It's he has his whole gimmick worked face, out. Right. Yeah, he blinds Which them. Is That's right. That is like a foreigner wrestling thing back in the day. They would throw salt or sand in their people's faces. He just keeps yeah, like, like, it a, out like, too. like a sneaky move that would like that's like kind of a kind it's of just a like a racist stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's underhanded. And then uh, yeah, they at this point Frank is working as the uh, as the referee, and uh, the gang is asking Frank to step in, and Frank's like, "I didn't see nothing." Classic ref move in a yeah, in a wrestling match. It. it didn't have the ref didn't see it. Didn't happen. Mac Mac runs away. He uh he can't face uh Rickety Cricket as uh as the Taliban. So Frank enters dressed as the Trash Man, and uh, the Trash Man kind of has a gimmick that looks like um, uh, Andre the Giant look, with the yeah. the unitard with the one shoulder like, strap. I'll, I'll start eating trash. I'll start eating trash. <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> garbage. Uh, then he hits Rickety Cricket in like in like the jugular with the <laughs> it's like. Just shoots blood out. He uh, he throws a trash can, a metal trash can, at, at Cricket, and uh, Cricket starts bleeding profusely from the neck. Uh, and the audience cheers for Frank, who raises his arms in triumph. That's it. like a, there's like a pause. Everybody's like, "Oh no!" And then it's like the crowd explodes because uh, they love the all, all, all these people in the crowd went to see ECW, and this is like the new ECW. Yeah, very um, violent, very bloody. Roddy, so Rowdy Roddy Piper is a cameo in it and that's awesome and he's playing he's amazing and he's it. like like who do you, like who do you feel he's supposed to be i think it's like the wrestler the movie the kind movie of wrestler the, yeah. where he's like a down <laughs> on his luck uh, i know but like old wrestler do you think I he's making fun of a a, a, a a peer of his oh like a specific person like, yeah. he, like, maybe, he's doing a voice maybe. even you know what i mean like i was like yeah man, like he, he's like putting on as someone Oh my! He's so funny. At one point, they ask him. They're like, "Oh, you have kids?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He's like, "Nah, not anymore. Not no more. Not anymore." He's got a he's got a bucket of chestnuts in the back of his seat, foraging for his food. And you told me the maniacs in another episode, right? Yeah, he comes back in a in a multi level marketing episode where they. 
they're, they're selling they're selling some kind of Invigoron uh, uh, fruit juice or something. I don't remember exactly, but he's great at it. He's just a uh, he's a total closer, and uh, he just keeps and that's showing not up. In, that's that's not in this episode. It's that's not, not even this one. Good, no, not even in this one. Well. The multi-level marketing scheme we're not going to cover because they, uh, they're not good at that one. That one makes no money. People don't like that one. What we're talking right. about today are the best ones. Not just I mean, honestly, like, this show is sold out, this wrestling event for the troops, whatever. Uh-huh. Like, that's the thing. They didn't say they were donating the money. They were just doing it like, <laughs> like, to entertain people who are in the military. Yeah. Yeah. And look, in the, look at the crowd. It looks like there's, like, veterans or something in the, in the crowd. So I guess that's what they decided they were going to make money off of. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's very profitable. <laughs> the the uh, they put on a yeah. heck of a show. Um, people loved it. Yeah. Um, Went and and they're the dressed as category. and they're dressed as bird people, and they kind of look like Swoop from uh, from the Eagles. The the Eagles mascot Swoop. Yeah. yeah. They uh, stomp clap stomp stomp clap. <laughs> <laughs> when when they're doing that for the first time, like they're like talking about it. Mac is so confident and it's one of my favorite like moments of like even just an always sunny he's just like yeah this is a this is great he's like so he's so sure he's just so sure i love it the gang as a whole are really into their own singing as well they're constantly practicing they start yeah they're 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 always they're always singing so when they're doing the the bird song uh in this episode, they're really harmonizing. They have like those yeah. those microphones, all the falsetto. headsets. Yeah, they're all this falsetto. Headsets. <laughs> yeah. It's always like, oh, they would have that. Yeah. <laughs> that whole now there's something about it. <laughs> um. Okay, moving on. Um. Our next uh, Always Sunny scheme is the dick towel from the episode Patty's Club, <laughs> home of the original kitten mittens. <laughs> In an attempt to make money and have a product to show off at the merchandising convention, the gang creates a product to sell in the bar. Mac creates the dick towel. Uh, they, also, uh, they also brainstorm some other ideas, including the shotgun, which uh, pours a drink, shoots a drink in your mouth with the power yeah. of a shotgun, and egg. Yeah, the, but the, which they don't explain. <laughs> they don't the explain what the egg is. And, and Dennis has his like feminine thongs that he. Right, ladies' underwear. Yes, ladies' underwear that men will buy for women at their bar. Um, the, the thought goes into everything they say. I don't know. It's just it's very it's very interesting. Just, uh, yeah. Because you got to imagine at this point in the show, this is a this is around the fourth or fifth season. You got to imagine at this point in the show, they're being talked to about merchandising. They're being they're being they're trying to figure out how to sell T-shirts or or how they can make a Patty's uh, a bar Pop or drink. Yeah, yeah, what is FX own? What do they own? And uh, that is all kind of baked into this episode, which is uh, a lot of fun as well. Uh, the dick towel is a towel with a penis on the front and an ass on the back created by Mac in the episode. Uh, the towel actually shows two different dicks on it. It can be turned one way to show a big <laughs> monster cock and then flipped around the other way to show a baby dick. Baby. I, I think it's really clever. Baby. I remember seeing the episode for the first time and being like, they're going to sell a million of these. <laughs> what is the baby? They go, bing. <laughs> bing. <It's> so funny. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Did you happen to look? There's a. They made a commercial for it on YouTube in character as as Dennis no. and Mac shooting a commercial. It's really funny. It's still up. It's like 12 years old. Uh, they they also did. A, there's a music video with Cool Keith, the rapper, and it's about s- selling like dick towels. <laughs> and I'm sure they sold a bunch of them. Well, Mac creates a website for the Dicktail in the show, and this website uh, can be found at dicktail.com. Uh, a Dicktail hat is $9.99, a shirt is $14.99, the towel itself is $19.99, uh, and it can be bought on the website even today. Uh, Dicktail comes in two versions, white and black. Uh, the website is still up. Uh, I encourage you all to visit and take a look if you haven't before. All right, let's get them. The gang successfully <laughs> makes... <laughs> I've already got two. I got one you in both colors. Two. You have both colors, right? 
Uh, my wife and I wear them at the beach. <laughs> Bing. Bing. <laughs> the gang successfully made about $2,500 from the Dicktail.com venture in the show, uh, which they use uh, to buy a boat. In a later episode, the gang buys a boat. So it comes back up later on. I like the continuity of that. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy when things from the show pop back up over time, like the duster or the camcorder. Like those things are like the in duster, their, yeah. it's in their community pile and they're always reusing the, these things. Their, their world is easy to, uh, to um, explore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like the showrunners ever tried to market kitten mittens though. The cloth footwear is made specifically for cats. Uh, the goal is to make them quieter when they walk around. Charlie, who is plagued by cats howling in the alley outside of his apartment, creates the cat shoes to get some peace. Quote, kitten mittens are great for cats that are one-legged, fat, skinny, or any in-between. End quote. And he spells, he spells mittens with an O. Yeah, he spells <laughs> it wrong. The, uh, yeah. Because he's illiterate. Yeah, this is a, this is a great episode and a great product. And... Uh, in the episode, they end up getting fleeced by their lawyer, uh, who steals all the rights for the uh, for the products for the merchandise from them, and uh, he manages to make the profit off of kitten mittens uh, when it gets sold to some pet company or whatever. No, I mean, they, they, these are like hit products that the gang creates. Even though they didn't make money off of kitten mittens, they did make money off dick tail. Yeah, they like they squeak they squeak by with that twenty five hundred. They manage to get something out of like it. They are they are they are successful entrepreneurs. That is that is that is a fact. I mean, Frank has started hundreds of businesses, and Patty's Pub is still running. <laughs> you can't deny that Patty's Pub has been open for twelve years, fifteen years. You know, they like, if they like honestly, wherever their bars are supposed to be, like second in Wharton. I, it would be impossible for them not to make money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because the first couple seasons of the show, there's always a bunch of drunks milling around in the background. But around like season six or seven, those guys mostly disappear. And you almost never see anybody in the bar unless it's relevant There's no to the one bar. in their bar. There's almost yeah. no one in the bar ever. <laughs> and I guess that just kind of implies that when Frank came along and started paying the bills, they stopped opening up every night. Makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so next we're going to move on to uh, my favorite Always Sunny scheme, uh, Wolf Cola and Fight Milk, mm. two brands under the Frank's Fluid umbrella. This episode made me, like, anxious. This is, this is a very <laughs> tense episode, yes. Uh, in the episode Wolf Cola, a public relations nightmare, Frank Fluid's LLC is in big trouble. After a news segment shows Wolf Cola has become... Uh, the official drink of Boko Haram, the terrorist organization that was all over the news in 2015. I, it's so 2015. <laughs> he thinks he sold it to people in Boca Raton, <laughs> but it's Boko Haram. The, the episode the opens. It opens with him coming to the bar and just doing a a sandwich baggie and, full of coke because he's celebrating. And he's, sing, and he's singing, "Go, go for it." Go for it. <laughs> Which is in another episode. It's we Frank's mentioned it in the Rocky song. Five. We mentioned it in the Rocky Five episode, but it's like I don't even know what the episode is. But they're cl they're clubbing, and it's just Danny DeVito coming up with a song, and he's like, "Hey, go for it, go for it," and he's dancing, <laughs> and right, you can see Rob McElhenney has to turn around because he's he's laughing or he would ruin the take. <laughs> so then then they added they added them singing a song over in the club that's like go for it go for it like they, <laughs> like, they like and then it just became like a thing on the show and now whenever i hear it i can't i can only think of frank yeah. reynolds and dancing i, and I the hear club. people like use the phrase go for it like all the time too like even like it was like the gallery opened right the district <laughs> opened it was like the go for it or like go for it yeah and then this episode all opens with frank at the bar doing coke, singing his own song, Go For It. He probably gets like writing credits for it or something too. Just to like <laughs> play. They squeeze the show. it in all the time, yeah. They squeeze it in all the time. <laughs> Go for it. I don't know, like Frank, is that you start your day every day? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally nonchalant and <laughs> no joke. He just goes, Yeah. So Frank is informed that uh it's not uh 
it's not Boko Raton, it's Boko Haram, who is uh, in, really into his drink. And uh, at a local morning news studio, Dennis D. and Frank uh, get ready for their appearance on television because they need to do some crisis management uh, because Wolf Cola is tanking in the news. They don't want an investigation or anything, so they're going to go... They're going to play defense on television. And while Frank suggests that they try to downplay how bad Boko Haram is, and D, believing that they should publicly apologize, uh, Dennis insists that the only they should only take responsibility in a very nonspecific manner, which he himself will do as the others sit silently. Um, and when he says this, it sounds like psychotic. But uh, while being interviewed live, everything is going according to plan, and Dennis speaks his part. But when D bursts in, things go awry, and she starts apologizing for their mistake, claiming that she is firing people as we speak, and then Frank jumps in, and he claims that Boko Haram are insignificant compared to groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS, and uh, there's a little, there's a, there's a... <laughs> good point. <laughs> it's true. Where's Boko Haram now, you know? That's a good point, yeah. It's also, if, if this was a real show, it'd be Good Morning Philadelphia on Fox. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's absolutely. <laughs> yes. Like Jerry, it's abso- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like the kind of like when we watch the show, it's like, oh, they're saying it's this. But we all, as locals, we know that it's yeah. that. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it has the little ticker at the bottom of the screen, which is people tweeting the hashtag at the show with hashtags. Yeah. The and they're like, oh, this yeah. Dennis guy, he really knows what he's talking about. And then when D starts talking, they, like, yeah, they, people are like, who is this crazy? Lady, yeah. Now I hate. Yeah. Now I hate Wolf Cola, and uh, and obviously this is no good for Wolf Cola. Their uh, their first appearance on television doesn't go well. Meanwhile, Charlie and Mac are working on a scheme to make Fight Milk the official drink of UFC. Uh, Fight Milk was a drink created by Charlie to exploit the growing crow population in the city. Uh, hence, he worked with Mac to create. <laughs> The first alcoholic dairy-based protein drink for bodyguards by bodyguards. <laughs> <laughs> and this is in a previous episode. This is something that comes up in a previous episode and then uh, forgotten about for some time. And it just ends up that Frank was bootlegging them. He took their IP and he was selling uh, fight milk to the UFC. And... Uh, you know, little is shown of the drink in its earliest incarnations, but it appears to contain a jug with the logo of a muscular man with a crow's head. Uh, the drink itself is a mixture of crow egg, milk, vodka, described by Mac and Charlie as being high in crotein. Which, uh, What's with the birds? <laughs> and UFC fighters use it to cut weight because it makes them vomit and immediately. And sweat. <laughs> yes. Uh, they piss, shit, bleed everything, and uh, Fight Milk soon gains traction as a quick and easy way to expel fluids so that UFC fighters can uh, make weight before a fight. As a result, uh, Charlie and Mac decide to reformulate the drink to better its efficacy in the bulking as a bulking agent because they're not they don't want to be the they don't want to be the vomit guys they want to be the the bodybuilder guys. The results are a roaring success. However, all fight milk drinkers soon test positive for performance enhancement drugs, at which point Mac and Charlie reveal that they pumped uh, human growth hormone into the new formula. And they got real, they went to like a real UFC press conference and filmed, and they got uh, Donald Cerrone and other like UFC fighters to be in the in the episode. <laughs> I like, and they said that they were, they were the official drink. Like they went and just like. Yeah, like they, they don't know how they, that works. They, were, they just they claimed just, it. They just claim it, like they said. It, like they said it, so they, it's true. I li- Must be true. <laughs> I am shocked that there is no Wolf Cola on the on the market. Uh, it's something they Wolf say Cola. often enough in the show that I am I'm shocked that Wolf Cola just what? doesn't end up uh, in yeah. in cor- maybe it's the soda tax that's keeping it out of our corner stores. That's what it is. But uh, it is. The, the blue me- the wrestler, the blue meanie, keeps telling us to try the fried chicken on Wednesdays at the place called Wolf Burger because there's a pop up fried chicken guy that shows up on Wednesdays. And we're trying to get there, but it's yeah. we always got work. Oh, something always comes up. Something comes up. Yeah, but we're we're trying to get there. But for the record, there's no Wolf Cola at at Wolf at Burger. Wolf Burger. <laughs> And you don't want the burger at Wolf Burger. You want the chicken. We don't want the burgers. I went last week, and the guy wasn't th- the guy wasn't there, and and I left. I said I don't want any of these burgers. I only want fried chicken. I'm here for the chicken. Because that's what the blue meanie told me. <laughs> Your wrestling friend. Yes, yes, we're friends. One of our wrestle one of one of our one of our wrestling friends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if we ever get in a fight, 
We call him Blue Meanie. We call him Blue If we Meanie. were ever going to put on a wrestling match for the troops, we'd call Blue Meanie. We could be the birds of war. We could be the birds of war. <laughs> well, I don't, actually, I don't think we could harmonize like that, but. That's true. Oh, yeah, we could. <laughs> uh, so, um, okay, moving on. Working on, working on the, the gang's next big idea. Uh, this is another great episode. Carmine's A Place for Steaks uh, from the episode Charlie Work. Uh, Charlie gets a tip that the health inspector is coming to Patty's pub, uh, and uh, when Charlie gets to work, he finds that the bar has been renamed Carmine's, and the gang is preparing a scam involving airline miles, live chickens, and 400 steaks. 4,000 steaks. Yeah, they, they, they think they tried to order 400, but Dee's fingers were too fat. And she typed in 4,000. <laughs> the bit where they tell Charlie, don't pretend like you know what's going on, and he knows exactly what's going on, is uh, one of yeah, my favorites. he breaks it down to them. Yeah, including uh, D's fat fingers accidentally typing 4,000 instead of 400. <laughs> it's because they've done it so many times. They know each other so well. This is also the episode that introduces the idea of arbitration, the idea that after one of these episodes or one of these, these adventures that they go on, that they get together and then give, uh, they attribute uh, um, uh, skills or, or uh, accomplishments or awards to each other based on their performance, like a D&D campaign, I guess. So in the episode, a steak delivery man arrives thinking Patty's is Carmine's restaurant and asks for a meal before he unloads 4,000 steaks. Meanwhile, Dennis and Mac transport some of the steaks into the office to contaminate them with chicken feathers and repackage them via vacuum sealer so they can return the steaks for cash, which they bought with airline miles. As the health inspector examines the bathrooms, Mac and Dennis move all the chickens and repackage steaks back into the truck to complete the scheme. Dee kicks the driver out of Patty's, and Charlie tells the inspector uh, that the driver is just another drunk patron when he complains that Carmine's is the worst steak restaurant he'd ever been to. Uh, The steaks are returned for cash, and Dennis removes the Carmine sign from outside uh, Patty's just in time for the inspector to give the bar a passing grade, uh, despite the fact that the dumpster is not six feet from the entrance. Five feet and a half. Five and a half feet. And he told told Dee to move it, but she She doesn't do it. Bitch, you goddamn bitch. So th- this is definitely uh, <laughs> one of the, a double scam that 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 worked. Yes, that's what I really so love about Patty's this. Patty's not a very clean bar. Not a clean <laughs> bar, and they uh, and their Carmine's scam, I guess, works. Carmine's is so and funny. It sounds like it just sounds like like an Italian restaurant in South Philly in the nineties. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about that that's just so funny. Oh yeah, my parents used to eat there on Saturday nights. Definitely. Carmine's infinite. And that one, uh, Frank keeps when he gets anxious, he flushes his clothes down the toilet, (laughs) which is something they've never mentioned before. But yeah, but he just he's losing articles of clothing and then he starts painting a shirt on and he starts painting shoes on his feet. Shoes on. About half of this episode is done in that, you know, one take trick where the camera follows them around the whole time. But, uh, you know, obviously there are cuts that are hidden in the in the mix but part of the uh frenetic nature of the episode is uh is how the camera never cuts away once the health inspector shows up yeah great episode artsy very artsy um and uh this is again an example of another scheme that works and uh even when they put the bar at risk uh to make it happen and uh it all works out in the end Okay, the last Always Sunny side business we're going to cover today is from the episode The Gang Solves the Gas Crisis. It's an earlier episode, but we saved it for last because we feel like this is a real turning point in the show. It uh, gave me anxiety watching it. <laughs> like, it, like I, you, you know what it smells like. You know, like, I don't know, even just like how, <laughs> everything about it. Being stuck with it, it's, go, on, go ahead, it really revs up. It really revs up. The fourth season is full of great episodes. Uh, this is uh, definitely a standout, in my opinion. Uh, they do episodes uh, later on, like uh, the gang gets recycled or the gang takes out the trash again, something like that, where they revisit old episodes, and, and this is a big part of that. Uh, this establishes uh, that you know Mac is the brains and Dennis is the looks and Charlie's the wild card. Uh, wild card. Wild card. Yeah. This is uh, All that comes from this episode, and... Uh, 
again, in like a metatextual way, I think that's like the cast and the 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 actors kind of like realizing how this team works together after two and a half years of of doing the show with this cast. Uh, by season four, they're like gelling, and uh, this one just ha- this one just kills it. Uh, after siphoning six barrels of gasoline from Dennis's Land Rover, they decide to sell it back to the gas station. The attendant refuses, so they attempt to sell it uh, at a stand like lemonade. Mac and Charlie start blowing fireballs to attract customers, but Charlie accidentally burns Mac's heads. Mac's head, excuse me. <clears throat> they steal Frank's van and proceed to sell gasoline door to door. Charlie's Texas oil man character frightens a woman, and they flee as she calls the cops. Charlie surprises everyone by playing the wild card and cutting the van's brakes. The gang bails out, but the van, with trash cans full of gasoline in the back, crashes and explodes in a fireball. I'm telling you, the episode just gave me anxiety. The idea of being stuck with that much gasoline, then putting the gasoline in their mouths, like oh, even yeah. like, the way, the, you know, like the way like gas smells, like you can almost like feel it in your brain, like it's just, like it's yes, gas smells good. I'll say it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just gross. I, the idea of tra- like the, the the gas in like those like trash bins that they look like they got at Home Depot, like yes, even though like, there's like this gasoline like this like like eat away at plastic i don't know like it's i don't know there's definitely you're not supposed to do that there's reasons why the way it's kind of sloshing around a lot of the time it it looks hazardous just to begin with (laughs) and they give and charlie because he's the wild card in this episode he's got a zippo lighter that he keeps flicking open near the around these open containers of gasoline yeah charlie's also aggressively sexual too which is so nuts (laughs) <laughs> they have a there's a lot of indecision over who's who's the brains and who's the sexy one and who's the wild card and they kind of like it, it comes together in the end but like uh at the bank for instance they uh they, they've all got their shirts off they're all trying to seduce the bank teller the bank loan officer yes <laughs> you know and, and dennis's artwork shows up in this one as well that is similar to uh Rocky Jr. in the right. Rocky series. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The two buxom ladies on the gas chart. The the two buxom women. <laughs> it really revs up. It really just kind of all over the place. And uh, they, I guess they don't make money in this one because in it, and they show it. No, the goal in this one, I guess you're right because it doesn't. I forgot because the end. They're trying to the B plot of this is that they're trying to stop. Uh, uh, Dennis and Dee's mom's fortune from going to give, her give being given away yes. to some charity or whatever. So at the end of the episode, I had remembered it as they they successfully blow up the guy who was going to give away their money, but they don't. It's the wrong Bruce. That's right. I, after just rewatching the episode, it's the wrong Bruce. <laughs> they destroy some other guy's life. This This was a fever dream. I don't know. This one's, that was intense. It also, I'm pretty sure this is the, I don't remember seeing Charlie's Texas character before this, uh, but he shows up, the Texas character shows up again in uh, uh, the, the episode where he's trying, where he's trying to get Frank. The oil uh, tycoon. Or yeah, the oil tycoon, the Texas oil tycoon. He, he hires Frank as his limo driver to take him out on a date and he's going to set Frank up uh, yeah. and then. He's gonna pretend like he gets sick, and then he vomits blood capsules all over, all over the. Yeah. May I offer you an egg in this trying time? <laughs> I guess, and I just want to—I mean, I want to use that kind of as a segue. These the blood capsules as a segue into talking about how you know sometimes this show makes me uncomfortable because it it's it's too real. Like last week, Tro was talking about the blood capsules that he. He had used at his <laughs> at, at the uh, at, at a the Halloween at show. a Halloween show, yeah, and uh, and how you used too many of them, and how they made you sick, <laughs> and like I laugh extra hard at that scene because like I remember the time my friend did that, and uh, there's another episode where they're drinking um, vodka out of suntan lotion bottles, and uh, my friends used to do that with um, wine and ketchup bottles, so like I I I see. I see where you're saying this show about degenerates reminds you of you and your friends. Yeah, I just I feel like they really have their finger on the pulse of Philadelphia, and uh, sometimes 
they call it too accurately and I get embarrassed watching it. <laughs> like when Charlie says, <laughs> when Charlie says, why ever leave Philadelphia? I feel like he's like looking dead in the camera at me when he says it. Like, like, like as if he's accusing me. <laughs> like when he never, when he never went down to, uh, down the shore. Before. He never left Philly. Yeah. Never left Philly. Yeah. Very real. Very real. Too real. I think we all know a McPoyle brother. I think we all know an Artemis. Artemis definitely worked at uh, Fresh Fields before it was Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so while I love the show, I, I've had to take breaks from it because it's just too real. Sometimes it's just too on the money, and uh, it feels like a cracked mirror being held up to, uh, to our reality. And uh, You guys have anything you want to add to the Always Sunny episode? I like another uh, uh, scheme they do is when the they film um, Charlie's mom. Uh, it, they turn her life into like a sitcom. Or oh, they just film old lady her house. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I have to say my favorite episode is when they when when Mac and Dennis move to Delaware County or like Roxborough, <laughs> and uh, and like they lose their minds. Right, because it's nice and quiet out there. Because they're quiet and they don't get to be city scum like who they truly are. That that episode is great, and then when and that's, when, that one really, that one really hits. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie and Frank come to visit them, and they're wearing Russian furry furry Russian hats, and they're like, "What's up with the hats?" <laughs> and they won't tell them. They're like, "You wouldn't get it, dude. You weren't there. You won't get it. It's don't worry about it." <laughs> and it is like it's like that's the. That's the fear of leaving the city is like, well, you could miss something as cool as the fuzzy hat week. Out. Yeah. You missed out on fuzzy hat you week. Missed you missed out. Yep. Oh, another one is when they're, when they're realtors, Vic Vinegar and Hugh Honey. <laughs> Why do they change their names? <laughs> but what is, but they do like good cop, bad cop, but they're realtors. <laughs> <laughs> like Vic Vinegar is like a dickhead, but Hugh Honey is like calming him down and yeah. Uh, my favorite episode is the episode uh, that this week's T-shirt is based on, the uh, Who Got D-Pregnant episode, uh, where they have flashbacks, Rashomon style, to Halloween night, and they try and figure out what happened at the uh, Patty's Halloween pub party. And uh, they have to go around and talk to everybody who was there, like the McPoyle brothers, and uh, they they do that gag where uh, Mac remembers talking to D in the bathroom, and it's an actual ostrich. She's an ostrich, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> One of the best bits in the show. Uh, and then there's also a great flashback where Charlie beats up a guy uh, because he thought it was someone coming in with the waitress, but it wasn't. It was just some random dude that they started a fight with at the bar. And uh, no one can remember if Frank is dressed as Man Spider or Spider-Man. And uh, uh, so every time they flash back, he has a different costume. <laughs> I love it. Great show. Okay, that's pretty much all there is to know about the Always Sunny schemes. Uh, please check out our website, www.southfellini.com. That's S-O-U-T-H-F-E-L-L-I-N-I.com for cool, Always Sunny-inspired merch. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at South Fellini everywhere. What's your favorite Always Sunny episode? Are you a Dennis or a Mac? Are you a D or a Charlie? I think the three of us are all Franks. Follow along and join the conversation. We want to hear from you. Look out for new episodes of the podcast every Monday. Stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, wear sunscreen, eat, eat your fruits and veggies, meditate. Don't put your fingers in your mouth. <laughs> no, do that. Do that. Well, if you wash them first, I guess it's okay. Bye.